The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals and do not necessarily reflect the views of Elk Grove High School or District 214. Welcome to School Chat, getting to the purpose of schools and making meaningful changes to the lives of learners. I'm your host, Mark Hines. I'm sitting down with Dan Sakin, a teacher at Elk Grove High School. Uh, He has taught a variety of different classes, and he's always willing to indulge me in my philosophical debates and new ideas. And I thought it would be great to just kind of capture one of our almost daily or weekly conversations. And thank you for sitting down with me, Dan. Thank you. Always a pleasure. So, you know, just kind of starting this off, I just think it would be kind of cool to capture why do you love being a teacher? I would say the thing that I enjoy mo- most, and this is now my 14th year teaching, it's my 7th and, El- seventh and El- Grove, and every year it's always the same as the developing of relationships with, with the students and and the colleagues as well is that's really the thing that lasts the longest is when you develop those relationships, those bonds, and um, really get to know those students and, and be able to see them grow over the course of the year and develop trust between each other and such. It That's the longer lasting stuff. Like for students, we, we've had these conversations about what learning is recently and what's worth actually teaching. If they don't remember it, is it worth teaching and stuff like that? And you see all the time of people writing different posts and whatever else of the thing that kids will remember most is not that one lesson that you did or that one particular detail that seems insignificant, whatever else it's about the kind of person that you were, the kind of environment that you created, uh, and kind of the inspiration that you provide and stuff like that. And so for me, it's kind of the same is I'm not gonna remember every smallest, smallest detail of everything I do in every class, but I'll remember the relationships I developed with the students. And that's, what I enjoy the most because the students that that I've had over these 14 years are just the most incredible people just that anyone could ever imagine. And the fact that I get to meet a whole new crop every single year of more than 100 new people that are going to surprise me and inspire me and, and all kinds of stuff is something that I really enjoy. Yeah, I have a lot of your kids in cross country or in other sports and they always have amazing things to say about you, and it's kind of awe-inspiring. You know, and just the number of kids that come back around this time of year that are actively seeking you out is pretty cool, and I think it's a testament to what you just spoke about. And today is actually Tabby's birthday. I don't oh. know if you knew about that. One of our, did, our, yes. our shared kids. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then the fact that you even remember that is... I actually, I, I have, uh, I've been doing this since I was at my previous school that... I put everyone's birthday in my calendar on on my computer, and I don't remove them. I have have them saved as annual repeats, and so I have, this is now my seventh year at Elk Grove, I have seven years worth of birthdays in my calendar now, so I know when people's birthdays are from my first year of teaching Elk Grove from seven years ago. (laughs) Not not that I reach out to them necessarily. I'm Facebook friends with some of them, and sometimes I'll send them a message over that or something like that, but... um, but the kid is like, how do you know when my birthday is? Like, I have it in my calendar. I still know when so-and-so's birthday is from five years ago. It's still right there. And so, uh, so yeah, that's always fun. I, I recognize birthdays in class with slow claps. So we don't do singing because kids aren't as prone to sing and such. But they'll clap. So we do slow claps for birthdays. So you were talking about how you just recently uh, were having some conversations about learning. You know, what were some of those things that the kids were saying? With my conversation with my kids? Yeah. 
I, I haven't necessarily had, had those conversations. I've, I know that you've had your conversation with your kids and uh, you've had other teachers come in to reflect. Um, so I haven't necessarily had those specific con- conversations with the kids myself. Um, so I don't know what my kids would say compared to what you've experienced. Or uh, I know that Pat McGing, who teaches CTE and engineering stuff, has uh, has done different reflections with his kids. And they'll, they'll say something different because that's a very hands-on kind of curriculum for psychology. I, one of the things that I try to focus on teaching AP Psych is I reflect all the time about how psychology is everywhere. That it involves everything that we do. It, it's our behavior, mental processes. It's how we are able to predict people's behavior if this particular situation comes up. And so I started very long ago of talking about how psych is life. And if they're able to learn that everything around them, essentially, that they're able to connect it to some kind of psychological idea um, is really what I'm, I'm looking for. So, um, you know, I know you do these things called learning celebrations. Yes. And so what is like the vibe and why do you use that terminology as opposed to just like a standard test? I read an an article maybe like four or five years ago and it talked about learning celebrations versus tests. And I just decided that year to start calling it learning celebrations, not for any particular reason other than because I'm naturally a silly person. And it was just an extra silly thing to kind of put in there. And, and I also am someone that wants to focus more on the positive of things. And especially when we talk about psychology, I, I use the quote a lot of whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Uh, and all of that. And so oftentimes we talk about tests and we talk about a lot of things with, with the school of standardized testing and the focus on making sure that we're able to help kids grow in the standardized tests and uh, with AP tests and so many kids taking AP and ultimately, there's this one big test where the score is going to determine whether you get college credit or whether you're going to get certain funding, scholarships, whatever else. Uh, and there's a lot of stress and anxiety that comes with that from students. And we all understand that having seen so many, um, so many times with our students over our teaching careers that I wanted to try and put a different spin on it that would give them more positive vibes walking in than, oh, no, there's a test coming up. I'm going to feel really anxious about this instead focus on, instead of me trying to focus on what you don't know and trying to test you and say, ha, gotcha, of, you know, you didn't know this stuff. I knew you didn't know it. You should have studied more of let's celebrate what you did learn. Let's celebrate what you do know. And if you get an 80% on it, I'm going to celebrate you know 80% of the stuff. And if there's that 20% you still don't know, we're going to take time after that learn celebration to reflect on it. Every single time we do a learn celebration, we take a full day to go over all the stuff that you got right and that you got right wrong so we can fill in the gaps of knowledge because they may get 80% that's good on that first one but if you never actually go over what they don't know if they never see it then that gap will get wider the next time because ultimately especially with AP Psych you need to know all the knowledge throughout the course of the year so if they get an 80% on unit one that's a great score they get 80% on unit two that's a great score too but if you never fill in those 20% gaps the whole year and then they come to the AP test and they're asked questions half the time on that 20%, you did them a disservice. So um, it's really a way to have a more positive spin. I play the song Celebration as they're coming in. I do a little song and dance. Um, that, and again, it's one of those things psychologically as, as we teach that the more positive you can make the experience and it's almost impossible to make a test testing experience positive. But even just the slightest bit of getting a little bit more positivity, getting the smile, whatever else, easing any kind of anxiety will allow their brain to be able to process things a little bit easier. Have you seen that shift in the students as you've done this? Like what has been the biggest change since you've done this? Uh, I have actually seen a slight 
uptick in, in scores. I don't know if that's because I've learned to teach better or my students are just getting it better or if it's simply my really bad dancing getting them to be more inspired. Um, but I really do think it does make a difference just in the, in the positive experiences and kids after the first couple times where they are resistant to it of who is this weirdo that's dancing and playing this song. This is a... And even now I say, hey, when is the test? And I say, no, 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 we don't do tests in here. We do learning celebrations. And they're like, oh, I'm, now they're actually correcting themselves. I had someone ask me... It's a this, cool cultural shift. Right. And, and, and I had someone tell me this, ask me this morning because we had a learn celebration in my law class yesterday and saying, did you grade the test yet? And someone from the other side of the room, no, 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 he's not going to answer you until you call it a learn celebration. And that's true. I'm, I'm not going to answer that. Like, we don't do tests in here. And... and Again, it's a small thing. It's probably insignificant in the grander scheme of things, but anything that I can do to shift a more positive culture, especially on days that oftentimes would cause stress and anxiety, especially in AP class, I think the better. That's huge. And then you spend that whole day just kind of having a cool vibe of reflection and praising and the dancing. I mean, that's got to be kind of a unique experience for a kid who's in a kind of a pressure cooker situation. And ultimately, the dancing and the music stops, and you have to actually give them the test packet, and they have to put answers down on a Scantron, and then we're right back into the thick of things where, like, oh, yeah, this really is what it, we thought it was, no matter what name I give it. Um, but, again, I, I feel like even just the, the positive entrance into the room and any kind of easing of, of anxiety can be beneficial, even if it's just for one or two answers where they're not having anxiety take over, where they skip a question because I, I can't deal with this, I, I, I can't overcome it, versus, okay, I'm feeling a little bit better about myself, you know, we have a more positive culture and I'm more willing to try to, you know, get up around through under this obstacle as opposed to being blocked by the obstacle and I'm just going to move on. So you use this learning celebration and how do you use those psychological principles to get kids to focus on the learning as opposed to just that like metric on a test? As we go, we, we talk a lot about the growth mindset and I know that's a huge buzzword, but it really is something psychologically where, again, going back to the quote, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. It's something that we talk a lot about with regard to motivation. Uh, it's something we talk a lot about with cognition and, and our memories and stuff. Um, I talk about Fail actually just stands for first attempt in learning. Oh, that's cool. So we we talk about that in class a lot, especially early on. Um, and then by you know failing your first attempt in learning, eventually you can sail in your second attempt in learning. That was new this year. I don't know if that actually works or not, but <laughs> but it at least works acronym wise. I can see your silliness. Yes, just a little bit, but. A few years ago was was really the first time where I spent almost an entire day at the beginning of the, of the year focusing so much on just the process as opposed to anything else where I talked about the importance of being able to try and being willing to put yourself out there of answering a question during class of trying something and then if you don't get it, learning then being able to say to yourself, I'm not going to get it wrong the next time. So again, the whole idea is that I want them to be comfortable of, you may not know it now, but you're, it just means that you don't know it yet. So do they see these like similar questions or similar themes every learning celebration? Yeah, so those are, are things that are, that are key. I, I constantly are, are asking diff, uh, essentially the, the same ideas using different questions. Uh, as I've learned more about psychology myself of teaching, it's been something where I talk a lot about repetition is the key to learning as well, of that 
if I teach something, it doesn't matter how perfect I make the definition or whatever else when I present in class, if I only do it that one time, I really shouldn't expect them to remember it for the test or learning celebration 10 days later. Like that learning psychologically of, of how our mind works and how our memory works, of how we're more likely to store information, that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter how clear cut it is, unless you're trusting that the student's just going to do it on their own. And some of them will, but you can't just trust that they're just going to do it on their own of, I presented you this definition. I'm assuming that you're going to do the work to make sure you remember it 10 days later. And then eight months later when it comes on AP test. So especially the big concepts, and I do this with, with every unit and with both my classes now, is when I present something in class, the next day, my do nows or you know bell ringers, whatever you want to call them at the very beginning, are always something that reflects on something we learned from the previous day to make sure that they know we didn't just present it yesterday and then move on. I need to make sure you still know it the next day. It's kind of my, instead of doing ex necessarily exit tickets from, at the very end of class, my exit ticket is kind of my entrance ticket almost the, the next day to make sure that you don't just know it in those 48 minutes. Do you know it 24 hours later too? Because that shows that you actually maybe learned it as opposed to you remember it because I said it 10 minutes ago. It's cool that you're focusing on learning and how you just constantly are bombarding them and making it useful and relevant to them without that, like holding it over their head with a test or a point or anything right. like that. And that you're constantly using your course, psychology, to reinforce you know, the principles that you want in the classroom. So it's almost like you're being metacognitive about your course while teaching your course. Right. And I require very little in terms of actual homework that they turn in before the learn celebration, but there are two things I have them turn in at the end of every learn celebration uh, and the end of every unit. Number one is you have to show me a proof of learning. And what that is, is really anything that shows me you've do you're doing something active other than sitting and breathing for 48 minutes of a time at my class. So I've heard um, some of your kids do this. I mean, I've heard like some kids turn in notes and other kids yeah. turn in all sorts of different stuff. So, so I give them a packet with the important vocabulary and learning targets for the unit and such. And some of them may just write down definitions as we go over them in class, as they're reading. And I'll take that. They may make their own quizlet. Some of them take their own notes uh, while they read the book. Some of them take their own notes while I'm lecturing or doing other things in class. Some of, some of them make flashcards. I will accept anything that you can show me prove to me that you've been doing something other than breathing for 48 minutes at a time. So that's so that's one thing. Then the other thing is this review quiz I put in Schoology. I have a question bank of, you know, some units have more questions than others, and it will pull 20 random questions, and I want them to take it at least once, and I'll take it's out of 20 points, but they can take it unlimited amount of times, and every time they take it, they'll get a new set of questions. Some questions they'll see again, which is not a problem because if they got wrong the first time, now they have another opportunity to get it right this time. And if they get it wrong the second time, sometimes even the third time, like Mr. Sicken, this question drives me crazy. What is it here? And now we're having a conversation about what this knowledge is as opposed to, I just hope they know it for the learn celebration. Now it gives me a little bit more information. And last year I was doing statistics of how kids did um, that did take the review quiz before the actual learn celebration versus those that didn't take it before and the divide between their scores was significant. So it's not a matter of, I want you to do this for a grade. It's a matter of, I'm giving you an unlimited number of tries at this because I want to give you as many opportunities to see what you know and what you don't. Because oftentimes the most important thing is knowing what you don't know. That you may think that you know something and then it's asked in a different way. And how many times have we seen kids that they can tell you the straight book definition, but as soon as you ask them, the question with like two words that are changed, all of a sudden like, wait a second, what is this word? 
like it's the exact same thing, but it's asked in a different way. So can you apply it in a new way? Change the context and right. they totally lose everything that they thought that they had mastered or learned. Right. And some of the kids, so a majority of kids do take that review quiz and then there are a few that don't take it. And so I put it in as missing in the, in the grade book and then they come up like, oh, Mr. Sakin, I forgot that this was something. Can I still take it? And my answer is yes. Why? Because number one, I tell them I don't assign you something if I don't find value in it. That's number one. So if I'm giving you grade for it, it's because I feel like there's value in it. Number two, they're going to have to have that, this knowledge all year long anyway. So they could technically take it any, at any point during the year because the stuff on unit one on research methods and AP Psych, guess what? You're going to need to know that in May too. So yeah, it won't help you for the learn celebration anymore, but you are going to need to have this knowledge anyway. So yeah, go ahead and take it. And I have so many kids that they forget to give me their proof of learning or they forget to do this or that or there's a quiz that they need to take, whatever else. That's all formative stuff. And they'll come to like, oh, Mr. Sakin, I forgot it. Can I still do it? And it's like, yeah. And I tell them this on the first or second day, but but they'll still always come like, can I do this? Can I, like, I don't have this today. Can I give it to you tomorrow? Like, well, I can't get it from you today. So yeah, give it to me tomorrow. I, there's no other option. And that's okay because, again, it's not about, hey, gotcha, I knew you wouldn't have it this day. It's about, did you actually learn? And that's kind of the shift I've had, especially over the last five, six years. And a lot of it is from conversations that we've had is, you can have all these stringent deadlines and I get the whole idea of teaching accountability and responsibility of I need to have it this day, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you don't want to give them, you know, have them turn something two months later because then it might be insignificant two months after the fact. But at the end of the day, you want them to learn. And so if it takes them an extra day to go and show that to you, I think that's okay. And, and I don't think that's wholly revolutionary. I don't think that that's teaching them doesn't necessarily bad manners or, or bad habits or whatever else. I think it's stressing to them that the more important thing for me is not about the gotcha moment and about you know sticking to you for for not doing something the moment I wanted you to, but about the actual learning itself. Like I'm I'm not going to give you this assignment. I'm not going to make you do this thing if I don't think it's going to help further your knowledge or learning. And I also don't want them not doing something because they feel anxiety of it. I want to ease that anxiety of this is a process that we are in together, and I want to make sure that you feel good about you know doing that. If there are some kids that you know, all of us have had kids that have been homebound, that have, that have had struggles at home, that work at night, uh, and all of that. And so I, t I tell them, it's just like, if there's something that's a concern that's keeping you from being able to do something, let's talk about it to make sure that you're in a, in a good position to actually do these things to be successful. Because the last thing I would want is for me to pile on of, you didn't do this now and assume that you're being disrespectful, you're being lazy, you're being whatever, when I have no idea what's going on the other 23 hours and 12 minutes of their lives a lot of the time that could be affecting them. Well, I appreciate you sitting down with me and your focus on students and relationships and learning is awe-inspiring. And I hope that everyone hears this message so that they can kind of get kind of a shared understanding of what we should be doing in the classroom. So as always, Dan, thank you for having an honest conversation with me. Thank you, always fun. This has been a production of the Elk Grove Collab Lab building a community of learning at Elk Grove High School and beyond. This episode was produced by me, Mark Heinz. A special thanks goes to Bruce Janney for his immense help in creating this podcast and Dan Sakin for sitting down with me on this inaugural one. You can find more information about Dan Sakin and learning celebrations, which include a brief student interview on our website. Please follow us on Twitter, subscribe at iTunes, or your favorite podcast service. If you've been enjoying our podcast, tell your friends and please give us a review on iTunes. This will help us reach more listeners. 
Yale Grove Collab Lab can be found at egcollablab.org. Thanks for listening.